We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? I am swell. I like waking up at 7 a.m. when it means 13-point wins for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, Nets coming out with the W today. where They were even able to rest their starters in the fourth quarter, picking up the W119-106 against the Kings. Before we get into it, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsarpog.com, and Blue Wire Pods. And this episode is presented by DealDash.com. But, Jack, where should we start with this one? Uh, Nick, what I wanted to just talk about was just the overall chemistry and energy from the team looked to be like everyone was having fun. The content was wholesome. Jared Allen was smiling. Rodion's Kuruts was smiling. Joe Harris was smiling. It looked like a fun time out there. Yeah, it really did. And I mean, it's a great response to a bad game against the Celtics, in which we saw. And then Joe Harris, after that game, said, you know, we just need to play harder. And they came out playing hard and moving the ball. I think it was like, you know, six of their first eight baskets were assisted on. And they finished the game with 30 assists on 42 made field goals. The ball movement was really there today. And the team chemistry and the vibes were just really positive. Well, it was insane. You know, I think that ball movement is contagious. Hitting shots is contagious. I think that 
we see a lot of analytics and, and deep dives into the statistics of basketball, but there are certain things that are intangible about how the game is played and just the, the overall intangible energy. And you could certainly feel that for, for the Nets. You know, there were very few subpar performances tonight. And, you know, I'm definitely going to be doing a, a deep dive into the breakdown of Jared Allen. We'll be getting into all the player performances today. But, you know, the three ball was fallen. The passes, like you mentioned, Nick, with those statistics there. The defense, for the most part, you know, I think that they held the the Sacramento Kings to a pretty low percentage, 30, you know, only 30% from the three-point line and 42% from the field. So it was a good game. And we've now clinched a playoff berth. Yeah, and I thought they did a really good job in terms of the three-point defense and trying to make the guys who weren't good three-point shooters take those shots, you know, being Fox or Joseph, whoever it might be, and trying to limit the attempts from Buddy and Bogdanovich. They still got a few off, but I felt like they did a pretty good job in recognizing the personnel on the other side. And then also another shout-out to them, only nine turnovers in this game, especially yeah. when you have so many so many assists, so much ball movement, you expect more turnovers, but nine was a really good number for them, and I think it was only two at halftime. Yeah, and they forced 15 off the Sacramento Kings, off nine steals. Yeah. You know, three for Karis Levert, two for Garrett Temple, three for Rodion's Kuritz, and Chuck and Munford Tyler Johnson as well. I thought, you know, before we get to the, to the big guys, Nick, I thought Garrett Temple's performance today will certainly go unsung and unforgotten, which is why I wanted to bring him up early, because you highlighted a couple of plays in, in the video that you put on your timeline at OTG, Nick, but he was just timely in what he brought on both ends of the floor. Yeah, he started off the game with some good momentum. I think he had a three early on and a you know a jumper, mid-range jumper, and just kind of being that steadying force and kind of understanding. And we've talked about Garrett Temple, and Garrett Temple's at his best when he can be in that complementary role. So it makes sense playing with Levert, playing with Joe Harris and Jared Allen that he's going to probably look a little bit better on the floor. And I felt like that was kind of the case today, getting the starting nod. Yeah, I think I, uh, it was Nets Republic and Nets PR saying that it was like the – the 10th different starting backcourt for the, for the Nets this season. And, you know, Javon has said we might see 15 different lineup changes. We did see the the general change in the lineup. We saw Rudy on court starting at the four. Do you think that made a difference, Nick? Yeah, I did. I thought having Temple and Rodion's just helped the defense. I thought it helped in different ways. You know, Temple being more of that consistent force, but Rody's, Rody being more of that wild card that can get some deflections and giving you some of that versatility where he gets switched on. And it's even starting to feel like that Rodion's is getting better at playing, like, defense in the paint. His time at yeah. the five has helped him at this four. So when Jared Allen got pulled away, there were times where Rodion stepped up. He didn't give you the best rim protection, but it's just the idea that he's growing that area. Yeah, I was uh, having a bit of a back and forth with Gotham's Reckoning on Twitter, and he touched on the verticality that Rodion's court shows. I mentioned that every player, when they are stuck under the rim in some form or another, whether it's Joe Harris, I saw that tonight, whether it's Jared Allen, who does it incredibly well for a young player, they know how to be vertical. It seems to me that that is a really big emphasis from the coaching staff whenever they are defending. It's a, a real point of contention, and it's one that sticks out. You know, They might make the shot, but they're going to make you earn it, and I think Rodion's has gotten better at that. I think that you know, we've been wanting this performance out of him. Obviously, the stat line doesn't necessarily yell to you eight points, seven rebounds, two assists, three steals. But for me, you're looking beyond the box score. If you were watching today's game, you know, the energy that he brought, this was old school rookie style Rodion's. 
Yeah, and I just feel like he could even probably be more aggressive and taking more shots. But just even some of the cuts he made in this game, I was like, okay, no one else is probably going to even make that cut, or if they do make that cut, they're not going to be respected because they don't have the size and length that Rodion's has where he can kind of finish inside a little bit easier than others. And we're seeing him get a little bit more confident with the drives and then even trying to drop off the pass. And that's been something that's kind of improved during the bubble, kind of getting that patience. And we talked about on the last show, basketball reps, especially NBA reps for Rodion's, are just so valuable. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think we get frustrated, as I sort of alluded to earlier, that we, we can't see the consistency out of him. But we've got to remember, this is got this guy's a second-round pick, pick yeah. 40. And we're obviously, you know, Nikola Jokic is, is a second-round pick as well. And there's plenty of guys. But in gen, general terms, we can't necessarily expect him to be as consistent as, as possible. He's not a superstar. But we get these games, we get these moments from him. And when you get those moments, it tantalizes you and it wants you to bring it all together. I thought that... In, in a way, we talked about sort of Garrett Temple setting the tone. I think Rodion's body movement and, and just general movement as a player causes other guys to move around as well. Because if he's cutting, it means another guy has to move around to the perimeter and to other spots. And it just makes it harder to, harder to defend. It opens, opens up different spaces for guys like Karis Avert, for guys like Tyler Johnson, for guys like Chris Chioza. And it just spaces the floor in different ways. And I always like it. It's always... You'd rather have that movement of ball and body than the static sort of style and wasting those 24 seconds. Yeah, standing in the corner obviously is going to have as much of an impact unless you're just a lethal guy like Joe Harris who's getting that type of gravity. So it's important to move and just keep the defense you know, working, especially when you think about it. Playing help defense is tough when the guy you're defending is moving around because all of a sudden you have to keep your head in the swivel, trying to keep an eye on the ball, keep an eye on that guy. It just makes it that much tougher, and it makes it that much tougher for the other team to play good team defense. Yeah, and we forced the Sacramento Kings to play poor defense. I thought that if the Nets brought what they did today against a lot of other teams, they would certainly be competitive. Obviously, the Kings aren't necessarily one of the better teams in the Orlando bubble, but you take what you get. But Nick, let's get to Joe Harris. You alluded to his name. We're not going to spend 25 minutes, the, the minutes that he played, talking about his game. But boy, oh boy, was it an efficient performance. Between 21 points, 8 of 11 from the field, 5 of 7 from 3. My boy is flames. I think it was Pooch putting out that he's been like 52% from the field. I think that's even higher now. Had four assists, four rebounds. Joe Harris is... Words can't explain, Nick. Words cannot explain. <laughs> he's really developing and just to such a great player. You know, he Love just him. really understands and how he can impact the game and the angles that he can take and how he can use his advantages to set himself up or others for baskets. I love the chemistry between him and Jared Allen. You know, those bounce passes, give and goes, or finding him in the paint. You mentioned the verticality defensively. I thought he had a couple of nice possessions in this game. And he doesn't get enough appreciation for his touch around the rim. Yeah, he finishes at the, the rim with the layups, but a lot of the time it's weird angles or at like a weird touch. And if you actually play basketball, you have a little bit more respect for what Joe Harris is doing out there because it's it's pretty incredible from where he's come to where he's at now. It's remarkable. You know, a guy with the Nets have done this with Spencer Dinwiddie. They've done this with Joe Harris. These guys are castaways in the NBA, non NBA players, and they are turning them into valuable starting rotation players. Joe Harris is one of the best in the league at his skill. Spencer Dinwiddie, borderline all star. The, the development of these guys is absolutely sensational. One thing I want to ask you, Nick, about Joe Harris, you, you talked about that finishing around the rim. I've seen a little bit more of that lefty game. Yeah, and I've seen a little bit more of like the push shot, not just a finger roll or just a natural layup. Using the glass, I'd be surprised. I don't know if there's a stat for this, but on guys who use the glass on all of their, you know, paint shots, it feels like Joe typically always goes off the backboard. He doesn't necessarily, you know, just drop it in. It's always off the glass. 
Yeah, I mean, he's generally facing some form of rim defender, and I think he just understands it yeah. well. He's the the angles. Obviously, we know how good he is as a three point shooter. He was getting the shooter's role today, and I think he was just working. And I think mm. that that's one thing that the best three point shooters in the league, if you're Duncan Robertson, JJ Redick, Kyle Korver, whoever else it might be, you're working and you're making your guy defend you. And obviously, when you have the gravity that Joe Harris does from the three point line, it allows you open lanes. It allows you mid range shots. He's turning into to a real, I mean, we already know the development that he's had and how good he is from different parts of the floor, but he's becoming a really sort of important player and he's going to get himself a nice contract. You know, we're going to have to be offering a lot of max contracts and I know Joe Sy's got some deep pockets, so better be paying my boy Joey Buckets headband Harris. Yeah, and one more thing on the off-ball stuff. You said it, Jack. Like, when you run off-ball with a purpose and you're consistently running hard at your best ability, especially with, you know, some of the size and strength that he has, it just makes it so hard for the defense because if they take one bad step or get caught up on that screen, oh, I need to overhelp and recover and try to block that three-point shot, then Joe Harris gets a lane to the rim and where he's been able to finish and take advantage of the opportunities there. So just kind of playing off his advantages really well and understanding, I think, the Nets offense to the highest extent. Absolutely, absolutely. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 options every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use offer code BACKBOARD or DealDash.fm slash BACKBOARD. That's DealDash.fm slash BACKBOARD. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds and prop bets to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and Robert Horry. See what they had to say what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. We'll get to Karis LeVert next. 36 minutes for him. 9 of 21 from the field. 3 of 8 from 3. Only hit one free throw, but did have 5 rebounds, including 2 offensive rebounds. 7 assists, 3 steals, 22 points. Go off on your boy, Vert. Yeah, it was a point guard role today for Karis LeVert, getting that nod it. in the starting lineup. And I felt like he did a really good job with that. First couple of possessions, I felt like he started to adjust. But then he realized that, hey, if I penetrate the defense, I might not get somebody an open shot right off the bat, but it might be the next pass that leads to somebody hitting that three. And that's what kind of helped with the ball movement today was Karis LeVert penetrating the defense, getting them out of position. Then that's just how to make that extra pass. And next thing you know, it was an open three or a layup in the paint. So he's starting to get a better understanding of the gravity that he has going to the rim, especially with the different players in this team then also picking his spots I thought a little bit better there was times in the past couple games where I felt like maybe he was forcing a little bit still a few today but he had a better chance at like hey I'm gonna throw it out to the three-point line or I'm gonna pull it out and we're gonna kind of establish things and run the offense instead of just trying to force the shot up right now so I think the basketball IQ and the feel for the game is a trending up for him 
Yeah, I'm all about CLV, PG. You know, make turn <laughs> into a T-shirt, turn it into a graphic design, get those letters going somewhere on Nat's Twitter. I'm all about CLV, PG. I thought that his all-round game in the first half especially, he was super impactful. He was the most important player on the, on the floor for the Nets, and he really set the tone in all facets of the game. You know, we've talked about on the last pod how you know his role in general, we don't necessarily need to get into that again, but he sort of, it's like you listen to the pod, he's like, all right, these guys are saying that I'm not that good of a decision-making and a passer. I'm going to prove this uh, dumb Aussie lad wrong. And he was passing really, really well. He, was he had a really off. tough pass to Rodion's in that, like, wing three, where he was, like, yeah. hanging in the air. That's just, a, that's an incredible pass to make with, you know, just the body strength and you're going the opposite direction. I think this is where you, this is the position, and I like the experimentation from Jacques Vaughn. This is what I want to see from Karis Avert. Yes, we know um, now he's he's got this sort of mid-range little, little thing in his bag, but can he make his teammates better? How much how much can he get them involved? Because the Nets, individually, talent-wise, yes, Karis Avert is a very talented player, but against the 21 other teams, the Nets are the second, third, however many worst teams on, in terms of roster talent on paper. So we need to work better as a collective. And when Karis LeVert is finding open guys and creating open lanes and, and getting his teammates involved, and, you know, I want him to get five assists minimum per performance. You know, and I want him to continue playing uh, that role. I want this starting five to continue to be maintained from Jacques Vaughn. But uh, anything else on CLV, Nick? In fact... I wanted to touch on Zach Lowe's comments. Uh, he obviously does a, a great piece every week on the 10 things, uh, and he highlighted Karis Avert. And there are a couple of things, two things that sort of stuck out to me, Nick. He was talking about the isolation plays that he had. Levert's averaged 15 ISOs per 100 possessions, up from 9.9 pre-bubble. His efficiency has skyrocketed, almost 1.2 points per possession, a mark that would rank in the top five among players who have recorded at least 50 ISOs. He's also drawn fouls on 17.5% of those players, which would just about be top of the league per second spectrum. ISO Karras, I mean, I was talking about passing Karras. ISO Karras, I don't know which one I want, Nick. Yeah, I think he's done a really good job with the ISOs and just getting comfortable. And I think maybe operating out of the post a little bit has helped him too. Just, you know, Jock Vaughn, I thought, has done a pretty good job of getting in those positions. And it's also, I think, Karras just getting more confident. And having that mid-range shot has kind of opened up different opportunities for him to take advantage of that. But they're really promising numbers. And I think another aspect to, you know, think about is like, you mentioned it, Jack, the Nets aren't the most talented team. So he's seeing a lot of attention to have that type of, you know, efficiency in the ISO situations is, is really good for him. Definitely. Definitely. I think that if you, any team watching the Orlando magic, I think you've got to institute that sort of blitzing style defense. And it certainly makes things harder for Carol Savert in a lot of ways. And the last comment I will make that Zach Lowe also did make, and he said this, Lavert has good vision and is smart using his arrhythmic, arrhythmic off the bounce game to unlock passing lanes, but his playmaking comes and goes. He can be turnover prone. I don't understand how Zach Lowe can have such a good assessment of a, of a person who is a general NBA guy. He's so perfect when it comes to Nets takes. Yeah, I think Zach Lowe probably just watches an incredible amount of basketball. There's yeah. there's really no other way for him to be this good. And I think that's right. And I think today was we saw that playmaking Karras. And yep. I think... I don't want to, I don't know for a fact, but maybe in the past it was like, maybe he's looking for stats. Maybe he's looking to scoring. Maybe he's got the contract and you know, that's what people talk about. But I think getting a better understanding of like, Hey, the assists matter just as much. And hockey assists are a big thing too. You know what I mean? Like, it's not always about the numbers. The advanced numbers sometimes are a little bit more, uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? They, they, they explain the pitcher a little bit better than what you see just looking at the regular box score. So I felt like that was, yeah, they dig deeper. And that's kind of the case we saw today too. So I think him understanding that where making, you mentioned earlier, Jack, making your teammates better is such a bigger aspect than you dropping, you know, 30 points. If you drop 20 and have, you know, five assists and five hockey assists, that's a better game than you dropping 30. And I think he's starting to understand that and understand how he can play off the defense. And if the defense is going to give him more attention, he's going to understand there's going to be open guys, there's going to be open lanes, and it might set up more things. And I also thought today his defense didn't look half bad. He had more yeah. activity off ball today. You know, on ball, there's still room for improvement, but activity off ball at least is something promising. And, and I think in that sense, it helps, Nick, when Lance Thomas goes to the bench, Chris Chiozzi goes <laughs> to the bench, and you put in Rodion's courts and Garrett Temple because both of those guys are you know, good enough defenders. I don't know how good they are in the grand scheme of things, but they're two of our better defenders. Yeah. And it'll, it doesn't it eases the burden of Carlos Avert. And you know, when Chris Chiozzi is out there, obviously it, you, it increases the, the responsibility on that in the floor. One last thing I want to ask you about Carlos Avert, Nick. What numbers, what things are you looking for I mean, we've talked about how I'm not necessarily looking for the points. For me, it's more about assists, defense, and those steal numbers. What is it for you that you're looking for on an individual skill or statistic basis from Carol Savert in these final four or so games and then playoffs um, if we get the Raptors or the Bucks? Like my guy KD said, you know, it's about efficiency, but it's also about those assist numbers. Like you said, I think the rebounding numbers have been pretty promising in the bubble as yeah. well and keeping those steals up. I think it's impacting the game in multiple aspects and using everything to your best ability and just being patient, you know, not being overly aggressive, not trying to force things and just having a really good feel for the game. Obviously, the catch and shoot numbers are something we want to see get up, which can probably happen a little bit more in the bubble than we initially thought because it feels like Chris Gios has done a good job, Joe Harris has done a good job, Tyler Johnson, and maybe finding Karras a little bit more off-ball. So I think just continuing to improve in all aspects of the game. I don't think I need to see a drastic jump in anything other than catch and shoot, but if he continues to just improve and improve that basketball IQ and feel because playing with players like Kyrie and KD, there's going to be a lot of different opportunities because defenses are going to throw so many different looks at them. You need to understand where you can have your impact, and I think these reps that he's getting right now is going to help him so much in the future with the nets or without the nets yeah i want to continue to see him drive you know i, I really like him carol avert the herky jerky driver it's he's got just great footwork athleticism that is almost you know a bit weird in a lot of ways it's unconventional and throws you off. I, I, it throws you off in, in a lot of ways this is like where's he going what, what footwork's going on here and then you know he's just he, it's just nice to see it's nice to watch and i think that today we did see a little bit of a nice catch and shoot action i think tyler johnson had a nice uh, kick out pass to him it, despite the fact that we know this season matt's brought it up on other pods uh, before that Karasavet is much better at creating his own shot and the numbers reflect that when he's he's creating it for himself better off the catch you know it's it's a weird stat but you know, hopefully we can see that a little bit more going forward when we have guys like tyler johnson chris Chioza, uh in the bubble garrett temple too but nick we've got to get to jared allen what a game nikola yeah. jokic mate he's better than nikola jokic i'll put it on twitter i'll put it on the buzz I wouldn't go all that far, but it was really a great game from Jared Allen. I mean, 17 points, 5-8 from the field, you know, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. Was really active on the boards, too. Got fouled a couple times. They did call, and a couple times they didn't call. Uh, we talked about it a lot in this show over the last couple episodes. His confidence and feel for the game is trending up. He's just doing such a great job with his passing and just understanding the impact he can have. And he's been great on these dribble handoffs and these pick-and-roll opportunities. I think that we are seeing... I put it out on – we had a bit of a back and forth with um, with Josh uh, on, on Twitter about the fact that 
whichever team Jared Allen is on next season, be it the Brooklyn Nets or whoever else, you know, I've heard Mavs fans uh, get excited about him, Celtics fans getting excited about him. This kid has just got a, a lot of tangible talents. And I've spoken about, you know, how uh, frustrated I was about the three ball. But, man, if he's going to pass the ball like this and, and have the touch that he does and the aggression and forcefulness that he does, you know, I don't really care if he has that three ball at all because he's just impacting and he just looks confident. He looks strong. And obviously going up against Alex Len and, and Harry Giles, you know, Alex Len, I think he's given him actually a little bit of troubles in the past. You know, we've watched him against Atlanta and that's been the case. So for me, you know, the responsibility, he's relishing it in a lot of ways. And I think that whenever we see Jared Allen rebound the ball well, he generally plays well. He generally yeah. gets those points. And one stat I wanted to highlight as well, Nick, 17, I'm not sure if this was total, but I know this was brought up in the broadcast. We spoke about his free throws. He's been 17 of 19 in the bubble. Yeah, he's looking good. I mean, 7 to 10 tonight, you know, mystery, but still 70% isn't terrible from your big, and he's going to get to the line a lot if he's that active on the boards. And, you know, you mentioned not having the three-point shot. Given his improved passing, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for him to just develop a nice elbow jumper. You know, already has a pretty good free throw percentage, and that's a lot easier shot to develop than a three-point shot. Yeah, definitely. It was just an, a spectacular game from from Jared Allen. You know, obviously we chart this. We've charted this guy's probably career progression, game by game basis on this <laughs> literally. podcast. And literally, that's I think the inception of the podcast was when we charted Jared Allen, if not the year after. But he's he's obviously it's been a roller coaster. But he's had just. He's just a talented kid, man. And we know Spencer Dimity thinks he can be a top five center in this league. You know, centers generally take a little bit of longer time to blossom. I thought his defense on the perimeter was good yeah. tonight as well. There's just so much he can do that I think, and I, I probably need to, to listen to my own advice here. I need to stop looking at the things that he necessarily can't do because it's like with Ben Simmons. He already does so much. Yeah. He does a lot of things really well at such a young age, and some of the smaller things I think will develop. But you mentioned the perimeter defense on some of these like wingish players, you know, that 6'8 range. He's looked pretty good. You know, Jason Tatum hit a couple threes in his eyes against Boston, but he's Jason Tatum. And on Harrison Barnes, I thought he did a good job. Like, it's funny to think like Jared Allen might like hold up the best against some of these elite wings considering this current Nets roster. Like if you were matched up with like a LeBron James, like I don't know anybody else would do a better job than, you know, Jared Allen. Same thing with like yeah. a Giannis. Yeah, I mean, we talked about in the last pod how he defended Jason Tatum well. It's just that as always, good offense beats good defense. And you know, you, you pay that at the end of the day. Yep. But obviously, the Sacramento Kings don't have Jason Tatum, so it makes it a little bit easier. <laughs> and the defense looks better when the ball doesn't go in the basket. So yep. I'm I'm just excited for, for Jared Allen going forward. I know that... You know what? Let's get hot takey with the Nick. We've got a podcast for it. Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan, if you could take out the chemistry dynamics, the friendship dynamics, and you could purely objectively... You're Sean Marks. You have a decision to make. It's like, all right, I'm giving you one center, Sean. Um, and, and which one are you taking? Are you taking the Afro dude or are you taking uh, Beyond Meets, uh, DeAndre Jordan and BFF to the two superstars? Yeah, we've always kind of leaned towards Jared Allen here. He's always been the more impactful player. It's just that DeAndre was outplaying him when he got the starting nine or he was providing some of that physical toughness that the Nets didn't have. But in a vacuum, I think at this point of their careers, Jared Allen is better just because of the athleticism, you know, the verticality can provide you and just all those different elements where I can see the reasoning for DeAndre because of the size, you know, the physicality and then the basketball 
experience, especially in playoff situations, being able to deal with big centers and not kind of get bodied around. But I think if you're looking at overall impact, Jared Allen is the better player. It doesn't mean that he might be the better fit on next year's team in terms of starting, but I think he is the better player currently at this point. Yeah, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, the reason why we got Karras, I mean, not Karras, but Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant was because of Elijah uh, uh, and DeAndre Jordan. We had to give him that contract. It was a package deal of three or two and a half, whatever you want to call it. So it's hard, obviously, because Jarrett Allen is so good and can do these things. Can DeAndre Jordan do these things at this point of his career? No, I don't think he can. And we, we talked about the DeAndre dives uh, throughout the season. Jarrett Allen had eight of them tonight. You know, it was, awesome. it was, <laughs> he certainly, and I think the, the, the learn from each other in a lot of ways just to take the sort of competitiveness and rivalry out of it i think that they've both had an impact on each other positively uh, commutatively and holistically overall i think that they've both had a positive i think that that competitiveness and that drive and that motivation can be a good thing and i think that both of them are good teammates and they both balance each other out in terms of the the experience and and the sort of youthfulness in ways so It'll be interesting going forward, obviously, the, the dynamic to this team. But looking at it also from a trade and, and, and free agency standpoint, the way that Jared Allen's playing now, the way that Karis Levert has been playing the past few games, you know, they're, they're, and Rodion's Kuritz for, for that regard. You know, if you're looking to package for that superstar, Jared Allen's looking better and better as, as your sort of building block as a starting five. You're getting two quality starters in Jared Allen and Karis Levert. And if Rodion Kuritz continues his form, you're getting a spark plug and three guys you have in a rotation. Obviously, you, know, you look to sort of the New Orleans Pelicans uh, and their young guys that they traded for from the Los Angeles Lakers. It's sort of similar things. Not, I'm obviously not comparing Brandon Ingram, but I'm just comparing package styles. Yeah, no, I get that, Jack. And you can also say that these guys all have playoff experience and they've they've actually already contributed to playoff basketball on a winning team. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've both yeah. been on rosters that have made the playoffs. And I think that's a really good way to look at it because they you already have a couple positions locked in. And from the Nets perspective, I don't think it's always like, hey, we need to force this trade right here because there is always the mindset of like, hey, DeAndre might start next year, but 21-22 and then 22-23, Jared Allen's going to be a substantially better player than DeAndre Jordan. It's just, you know, history. Big centers yeah. don't necessarily age super well, especially when they depend on some form of athleticism. And we're not seeing the best, like, like we've, we mentioned, Jared Allen will be the best version of him. If you look at what, all the best centers in the league, you know, when you hit 26 onwards, that's when you generally see with all players. That's why when we see young superstars, it's always such a such an anomaly, like, you know, Luka Doncic and, and the likes of those sort of guys. But absolutely outstanding game from Jared Allen. I couldn't speak highly enough for him. I'm really looking forward to re-digging into to that film. Uh, but it was just an awesome performance from him. Nick, I wanted to bring up, this was from uh, Christian Winfield. He posted on Twitter, and it was a point that stuck out to me and that I wanted to give to you. He said, one thing I've noticed about Jacques Vaughn, he doesn't like to waste possessions at the end of a quarter. We Love just watched it. it happen. There's six seconds to go, subs, and he subs in Karis Levert, who goes the length of the court for the buzzer-beating layup. And then that gave the Nets, um, obviously kept them in with striking distance after that first quarter. That's a really nice little tidbit to, to coaching. And I think that we don't see it enough from coaches around the league. Yeah, 100%. I, I clipped actually that exact thing and had the same exact thought because I've seen Vaughn do it in the past where he'll make the offensive switch just for that last possession of the quarter, and it really does matter because that's two points that could change the game. Obviously, the Nets blew the Kings out, but you never know if it's a close game and those two points might be the difference in you winning and losing. So I'm all for those adjustments, especially because like 
it's six seconds. You know, it's not really going to kill his minutes or anything like that. It's just one more possession. Then he's going to go to the bench after that. So props to Vaughn for adjusting on the fly like that. Yeah, I mean, he's showing head coaching tendencies. And I do, what I really want to shout out about Jacques Vaughn is how he is educating this team. Yeah. And off off the court, you know, the, he was talking about the anniversary of the, was it the Voting Rights Act? Yep. Uh, I believe. Um, I didn't see it in full. And obviously, um, I don't keep up totally with American politics, but <laughs> the education that he is bringing this team, you know, with, with John Lewis, with the Voting Rights Act, and making sure that everyone is educated on, on all things beyond basketball. I wanted to be part of this organization long term in one form or another, Nick. Yeah, I, I understand that too. I mean, I think it's unlikely that he'll continue to have an assistant role if he doesn't get the head coaching job because it just doesn't seem likely. But I think he's done a really good job making a case for himself to land this job full time. Like the off the court stuff and then also on the court stuff, his relationship with the players. You know, obviously, it's going to, a lot's going to depend on his relationship with Kyrie and KD. But everything's pointing in the right direction for Jock Vaughn right now, especially just like you mentioned it too, with the talent wise, like the Kings are a more talented team to the net yep. than the nets. And they blew them out tonight. And a lot of that has to do with the mentality they played on the court. And he outcoached Luke Wallen. And that doesn't really say a ton, no disrespect to Luke Wallen, <laughs> but you know, I, I got to give Vaughn props and he, like the Celtics game. It sucks, but that team was hot and they just outplayed them. But you just have to look at the, the positives in this situation because the nets could have easily gone to Orlando and not win, won a game like that yeah. wouldn't have been out of the realm of possibilities especially if they weren't coached right and they didn't have the right mentality so Vaughn deserves credit obviously credit goes to the players too he's proven he is a head coach and should be a head coach be it with the Brooklyn Nets or wherever else you know he's obviously learned from his experience in Orlando that that was many years ago the assistant coaching that he he's done in Brooklyn and now the head coaching experience that he's going he's doing right now uh, with the team in 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 the Orlando bubble I think he's he's getting plenty out of it he's impacting uh, the, the team in many many different ways individually and as a collective and you know I think that it's it speaks volumes about the, the Brooklyn Nets culture and the Brooklyn Nets system and, and the organization as a whole because, you know, I could see Kenny Atkinson definitely being a head coach again. I could see Jacques Vaughn being a head coach of this team next season or beyond that, I think, at, at whatever other team too. I think that it's it speaks volumes because I don't think we necessarily look at the assistant coaching ranks too much unless it's like a guy like Ty Lue or, or Jason Kidd, a name who was who has already been like a former NBA player or a former head coach, you know. The assistant coaching ranks, you know, Adam Harrington as well and a lot of other guys, that the Nets coaching is one thing that, you know, can frustrate us at times when, you know, guys like Kenny and when we speak it out of Jacques Vaughn doing certain things, not playing enough zone. But the overall grand scheme of things, uh, we're pretty lucky. We've got a, a great style and a, and a great knowledge base. Yeah, at least the Nets play modern NBA basketball. They're not one yeah. of these teams that's, you know, stuck playing in old style or an old way and not willing to adjust. So I think real props to that. But, Jack, anybody on the bench that you want to give a shout-out to? Um, I think we saw a more efficient offensive performance from Tyler Johnson, Nick. Yep. Eight, uh, 14 points for him, uh, three rebounds, two assists, had a steal as well, two of five from three, five and nine from field in only 18 minutes. I thought he was really good. And I thought Chioza looked better as a scorer tonight. Yeah. Uh, he, in 29 minutes, uh, five or 12 from the field, two or five from three, looked more confident from there. Six rebounds for a guy of his size as well and four assists uh, and did have a block as well. Don't know how that I think that's fine. I need to look into the film from tonight and see how how he got a block. But those two guys stack up for me, Nick. Obviously, we saw TLC have some moments as well. Obviously, the, the box score doesn't necessarily look as flashy. It felt like he hit more threes, to be honest. It did. It did, eh? It, I think it was just the timing of them and the importance of them. So Chioza, 
Johnson and TLC, all guys who got, you know, 15 minutes plus, all were impacting in different ways when they were on the floor. I thought that it's just we already mentioned everything that we sort of enjoyed about Chris Chioza, but Tyler Johnson, when he is efficient and, and hitting, his th- hitting the three ball, it just changes everything. Obviously, I think that it, when I mentioned it at the top of the buzz, when other te- when the rest of the team's hitting it, you sort of just feel that energy, and I think it sort of reverberates. Don't necessarily buy into the statistics and analytics behind that it's not real a real thing. I I personally do think it is, and I thought TLC just made good plays despite yeah. the fact that you know the offensive numbers don't look fantastic. He was plus twelve when he was on the court as well. Chris Jones was plus twenty four. Tyler Johnson was plus fourteen. All the guys who played decent rotation minutes were great. Yeah, and I thought uh, Chioza, I love the fact that he was still aggressive after missing his first few shots because we've seen in the past where he's missed his first three shots and then he won't take a shot almost the rest of the game. Today, he was aggressive. Maybe at a few points, he was a little overly aggressive. There was one play in transition where I just felt like, hey, man, you're you're not that big to go against three Kings players in the paint, and he still tried to go up with it ended up missing the layup. But overall, I really like his passing and just trying to take some of the load off Karis Avert at different times. And I think with Tyler Johnson, he just benefits so much more being like a secondary playmaker or a guy that's playing like off ball and being able to make something off that second action instead of trying to initiate offense or run things himself. And you mentioned with TLC, just a guy that fights every night. I think you just have to appreciate that where he might not be the biggest guy, might not be the most athletic, but he's going to continue you know, to fight and try to win every single possession. A guy who um, didn't play well, though, Dante Hall. I was going to say that one thing, you know, he's 3,006 minutes. What I liked from Jacques Vaughn is the fact that it's like, nah, you ain't getting any more minutes. We'll go with Rody at the five and we'll stagger those rotation minutes with Jared Allen. And it worked. Yeah. That change, coaching changes, and, and, and it was just another smart move from Jacques Vaughn tonight. Yeah, and not playing Lance Thomas. And, you know, we've said yep. it, just Lance Thomas just doesn't look like he's in NBA shape or his body's just not up to NBA standards anymore after the injuries he's dealt with. So same thing with Dante Hall. He just doesn't have a feel for the NBA. You can kind of just see it out there. The Kings aren't a great team, and they were able to expose him in a few minutes. Is that the is this the, the, the general eight-man rotation you want to see, Nick, that we saw? Joe Harris, Rodriguez, Kurtz, Jared Allen, Garrett Temple, Levert as your starting five, and then Chioza, Johnson, and TLC – uh, in some form of combination off the bench. And, you know, I wouldn't mind uh, experimenting with Dante Hall in spurts because then it eases the load of a Jared Allen and Rodion's Kuritz. But if he gets in foul trouble and the matchup just isn't working for him like it was tonight, it's just not on, they're just scrapping it and sort of playing an eight-man rotation. Yeah, I think that's probably it. Or maybe even, you know, trying to sub in some Justin Anderson minutes instead of Dante Hall. Okay. I don't Not playing him at center, but at least playing him at, like, power forward so Rodion's not completely out there alone in terms of physicality. But I think, like, these are probably the best eight nets, but they do need that ninth guy to at least give some relief to Rodion's and Jared Allen because there's going to be games where they get into foul trouble. Is that Lance Thomas? Is that Dante Hall? Is that Justin Anderson? I don't really know yet. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily the the, the most rich of pickings, but uh, <laughs> you'll take it and, and we'll see how we go in, in the upcoming games. But just one funny little thing, Nick. I'm on the ESPN uh, box score and the ESPN NBA website. The, in terms of position listings, Garrett Temple, Carol Savert, Tyler Johnson, Justin Anderson, TLC, Jean Moussa are all listed as shooting guards. That's six guys in our rotation listed as shooting guards. And to me, Joe Harris is a shooting guard as well. So yeah. Seven. Yeah. Go I mean, the Nets are just full guards. of shooting guards and it's mad funny. <laughs> and it's like the trend of a lot of the other NBA is like, let's go forward heavy. And the Nets are like, no, we're just going to go two guard heavy. Obviously, it's bubble related and COVID related. So we take it with a grain of salt. 
Uh, yeah, a, a very small grain of salt. But that, it, it was a f- it's fun to recap games when they're wins, Nick. It's fun to wake up at 7 a.m. when they're wins. Um, and it's better when it's 7 a.m. and not 4 a.m. Uh, keep yeah. these games at reasonable times for the Aussie fans down here in Melbourne and Australia and worldwide. You know, guys in the UK need to stay up at reasonable hours as well. It's not all American fans of the Brooklyn Nets, guys. The Buzz is a worldwide brand. The Brooklyn Nets are a worldwide brand. Yeah, international vibes with the Nets. And they got a few international players, too. So show the love. As always, Jack, big pleasure talking Nets with you. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can catch us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsWalk.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.